In verse 1 of Zechariah 11, 11, 1 to 3, essentially here we have a prophecy of the destruction of the temple. Destruction of the temple and the misery of the rulership of the people, the people of Israel. That's in Zechariah 11, 1 to 3. That may not be evident on first reading. On first reading, we may wonder, why does he mention Lebanon and in verse 2, Bashan? Why does he mention cedars and cypresses? Why does he mention the forest? Why does he mention the Jordan? Why does he mention lions and shepherds? Why does he mention them? Because nowhere do we read of the temple, nowhere do we read of Jerusalem in those ways. But as the prophets often do, and even Jesus our Lord often did, he spoke in parables. They use similes, they use metaphors, they use parables to describe the people. Because the more uh, vivid, the more picturesque the, uh, the oracle, the greater the attention of the people. It will draw their attention to figure out and to be concerned about what is being mentioned. And in verse 1, we have an indication that this has to do with the temple. Open your doors, O Lebanon. Open your doors. Now, why open your doors or open your gates? Why mention opening of the doors or opening of the gates? Because when the doors are wide open, then it grants easy access, free access to anyone to enter and especially the enemy to enter. When gates or doors are closed, then enemies cannot enter. But when they are open, they are ready and ripe for enemies to come and attack and invade. This is why it says, open your doors. And it has reference to the gates of the temple, the temple itself. Now, in the history of interpretation, Most Jews and Christians took this passage to be a prophecy of the destruction of the temple. Zechariah lives in 520 BC. The temple was reconstructed during his ministry, as is evidenced in the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 6, 13 to 15. But then that temple that Zechariah saw rebuilt will be the same temple in which Jesus will walk and Jesus will worship. In the time of Jesus, it will be called Herod's temple because Herod, King Herod, he expanded and beautified this temple of Zechariah's day, the one that Ezra and Nehemiah experienced and Zechariah and Haggai also. It would be called Herod's temple. Herod's temple was destroyed by A.D. 70. Zechariah and the governor at the time of Zechariah, Zerubbabel, They were the ones who oversaw the building of this temple, which would later be called Herod's temple because Herod took an interest in expanding it and beautifying it. But that same temple, this temple that exists in Zechariah's day, will be destroyed in AD 70. And Zechariah is prophesying this. He's prophesying destruction in this chapter after having prophesied blessing in the previous chapter. Blessing to the remnant in the previous chapter, but now here, a curse on the reprobate, a curse on the wicked who refuse to obey God, in reference specifically to the temple in which they put their false confidence. 
Now, we are saying that this has reference to the temple. And as I said, in the history of interpretation, this has been the case. May I quote two sources that refer to an ancient source in the first century? And this ancient Jewish source, rabbinic source, says that he knows that the temple will be destroyed according to the prophecy of Zechariah the prophet here. One quote comes from John Calvin, and it says, Rabbi Jonathan, who then exclaimed, quote, Lo, the prophecy of Zechariah, for he foretold that the temple would be burnt and that the gates would be previously opened. Unquote. He is citing this Rabbi Jonathan. But the time of Rabbi Jonathan, we find by John Gill. John Gill, in his commentary on this verse, says, quote, The gates of which are said, and gives reference to a, uh, a place in the Babylonian Talmud, he says, to open of themselves 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. When Johanan ben Zakkai, that's the same Rabbi ben Zakkai, who lived at the same time, rebuked them, saying, O temple, temple, wherefore dost thou frighten yourself? I know your end is to be destroyed, for so prophesied Zechariah, the son of Iddo, concerning you. Quote, Open your doors, O Lebanon. Unquote. So this first century Jewish rabbi, before it actually was destroyed, he knew that Zechariah 11.1 1 was a prophecy of the destruction of the temple. And he's bemoaning that fact in his own time, in the time of Christ and the apostles. That's when he is making note that Zechariah 11.1 1 is indeed a reference to the temple. Now, of the two commentaries that I just cited, Calvin says that most interpreters have done so, but he doesn't think that that's the correct interpretation. Gill thinks that that is the correct interpretation, and that's the interpretation we shall take, that it is a reference to the temple. Having said so, let's now ask why it would be that Lebanon is mentioned. Lebanon is mentioned in verse 1 and in verse 2, Bashan. Lebanon was actually to the northwest of the land of Israel, in the land of the Phoenicians, by the coast of the Mediterranean, the eastern board of the Mediterranean Sea. It was there. That's where Lebanon was. It was a fertile area. It was a very wooded area. It was a dense forest. And it was known for cypress or fir trees and cedar trees. Those were the magnificent dense forests of Lebanon. But why Lebanon in reference to the temple? We shall see. The answer is in 1 Kings, 1 Kings, and we'll read a few passages there in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 5, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Kings 5, 1. Now, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram had always been a friend of David. Then Solomon sent word to Hiram, saying, You know that David my father was unable to build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars 
which surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build a house for my name. Now therefore, command that they cut for me cedars from Lebanon, Tyre and Lebanon, same locality. Tyre is the city and often the name of the nation, and Lebanon, the area or the region, the forest of Lebanon. Cedars from Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants, and I will give you wages for your servants according to all that you say, for you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. Then in verse 9, My servants will bring them down from Lebanon to the sea, and I will make them into rafts to go by sea to the place where you direct me, and I will have them broken up there, and you shall carry them away. Then you shall accomplish my desire by giving food to my household. Verse 13. 13. Now King Solomon levied forced laborers from all Israel, and the forced laborers numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in relays. They were in Lebanon a month and two months at home. And Adoniram was over the forced laborers. Now Solomon had 70,000 transporters and 80,000 hewers of stone in the mountains, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief deputies who were over the project and who ruled over the people who were doing the work. Then the king commanded and they quarried great stones, costly stones, to lay the foundation of the house with cut stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the Gebelites cut them and prepared the timbers and the stones to build the house. Now, what house is this? This is the house of the Lord, the temple, which is built in chapter 6. But also, Solomon's house, Solomon's house or palace, 1 Kings 7, 1. 1 Kings 7, verses 1 and 2. Now, Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house. And he built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was a hundred cubits and its width fifty cubits and its height thirty cubits on four rows of cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillars, so forth. Now, this house of Solomon is known as the house of the forest of Lebanon. The house of the forest of Lebanon because the wood of Lebanon, the coveted, Valuable wood of Lebanon was used to build the house of the Lord and the king's house. 1 Kings chapter 9. But what about all of this grandeur? What about all of this from Lebanon and all the valuable gold and well-cut stones and everything to use to build the house of the Lord and even the king's house? What about that? What did God say when Solomon first built both of those houses? 1 Kings 9, 9, 1 to 9. Now, it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built by putting my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. And as for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked 
in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons shall indeed turn away from following me and shall not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and the house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook the Lord their God and brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this adversity on them. A prediction here that God would indeed get rid of his own house, the house that he made sure was built for his name. God would also get rid of it because of the sins of the people. Then we pick it up in the book of Jeremiah. In the time of Jeremiah, the house that Solomon built, the house of the Lord, it was still standing because Jeremiah lived in the time before and during the Babylonians. And it was the Babylonians who destroyed the first temple, Solomon's temple, the one we just read about in 1 Kings chapters 5 through 9. It was Solomon's. But Jeremiah says that that will get destroyed because of the sins of the people. And what we're doing is we're saying since God threatened that his temple would be destroyed if they persisted in their sins. Jeremiah says the same thing, and it happens in Jeremiah's day. If it happened to that great one, could it not happen to Zerubbabel's temple, the second temple in the time of Zechariah? Could it not happen again because of the sins of the people? After all, the first one was a lot better than the second one. It was a bigger one. It was more lavish more expensive than the second one. God destroyed the first one. He will certainly destroy the second one. That's the point we're making. But to prove that, let's go to Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7, verse 1, 1 to 15. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, Then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered. 
that you may do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brothers, all the offspring of Ephraim. The offspring of Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. God destroyed them about a hundred years before Jeremiah. And God's saying, even before that, I got rid of my worship center in Shiloh. I destroyed that. It was mine. I'm the one that established it. I destroyed Shiloh. And I will now destroy this temple. I destroyed Shiloh. I destroyed the northern kingdom. And I will destroy this very temple. Now, not only the temple, but the king's house. The king's house. Jeremiah 22. Jeremiah chapter 22. He says, 22 verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and there speak this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on David's throne, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. This is a warning to the king and a similar warning against sin is in verses three to five against sin and the destruction of the house. Then we Come to verse 6. Verse 6 says, For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet most assuredly I shall make you like a wilderness, like cities which are not inhabited. For I shall set apart destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they will cut down your choicest cedars and throw them on the fire. And then the fulfillment of 1 Kings 9 in words, verse 8. And many nations will pass by this city and they will say to one another, Why has the Lord done thus to this great city? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the covenant of the Lord their God and bowed down to other gods and served them. Actually, we do have Christ predicting the very destruction of the temple in which he entered. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 1 and 2. And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. The beautiful stones of the temple. The second temple, the one that Zerubbabel, Zechariah, and later Herod built. Mark 13, Mark 13, 1 and 2. And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, 
Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. Luke 21. Luke 21, 5 and 6. Luke 21, 5. And while some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, As for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another which will not be torn down. But we may ask, why? Why will it be destroyed? And why is Zechariah prophesying that this temple, his temple, will be destroyed? The answer is in Luke 19, Luke 19, 41 to 44. Luke 19, 41. And when he approached, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And why? Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Well, who visited them? Who came to them? Christ did. Because they rejected Christ, God rejected them and destroyed their temple. In Zechariah 11, when we proceed to the remainder of the chapter, in the middle of the chapter, there's a prophecy of the rejection of Christ. The temple is destroyed in Zechariah 11, 1 to 3, because they rejected Christ in Zechariah 11, 4 to 14. The same connection is made in Scripture. They reject Christ, Christ rejects them, or God rejects them because of His Son, Christ. All right, now, returning to Zechariah 11, 1. A fi- that a fire may feed on your cedars. A fire is going to feed on the cedars. Fire devouring the trees is a symbol of God's judgment. Fire devouring the trees. The lofty trees, the beautiful trees, is indicative of God's judgment. This judgment is the experience of the people because of their sins, the sins of the people. Now, also, when it says against or on your cedars, and then in verse 2, wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen because the glorious trees have been destroyed. Wail, O oaks of Bashan, for the in impenetrable forest has come down. What does he mean here? Who is this? Why is he saying cypresses and oaks and trees are supposed to wail? What's he talking about? He's talking about the proud, lofty, exalted rulers of the country. He's talking about them. Let's see how the scriptures do, in fact, make reference to the leadership of the country, both religious and political leaders in terms of being trees. 
Our first example comes from Judges. Judges chapter 9, 7. Judges 9 and verse 7. Gideon had a son named Abimelech, and he murdered 70 of his brothers. 70 of them, except one. One escaped. And this one named Jotham, he prophesies by God the following, and this is what he says. Judges 9, 7. Remember, we're talking about the leaders of the nation. 9, 7. Now, when they told Jotham, he, said, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and called out. Thus, he said to them, Listen to me, O men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The men of Shechem conspired with Abimelech to do evil. So now here's a prophecy against them. Once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my fatness with which God and men are honored and go to wave over the trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, You come, reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go to wave over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, You come, reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my new wine which cheers God and men and go to wave over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the bramble, You come, reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you are anointing me as king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Well, the bramble, these worthless bushes, they end up actually consuming or destroying the cedars of Lebanon. That is, Abimelech, will end up being killed. And the men of Shechem will end up, they will be adversaries. First they are allies, then they are adversaries against each other, and they both come to their destruction, utter destruction as a payment for their sins against Gideon. Another place we find is Isaiah 10. Isaiah 10, 33 to 34. Isaiah 10, 33 to 34. He's prophesying against the mighty kings and the rulers. And now he says in in 10.33, Behold, the Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the bows with a terrible crash. Those also who are tall in stature will be cut down, and those who are lofty will be abased. And he will cut down the thickets of the forest with an iron axe, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. God doesn't have any animosity against trees, lofty trees, beautiful trees. He's not against them. He's against the people who are compared to trees. But the people are arrogant against God. They are lofty, but God will abase them or humiliate them. Then we see in Zechariah 11.2, reference to Bashan. Bashan was on the eastern side of the Jordan River, in a way, very fertile and very lush, a place where cattle could roam, herds and cattle, um, flocks could roam there in Bashan. Well, the people who live there, or the rulers who live there, who take pride 
in their self-sufficiency rather than dependence on God, he addresses them in the same way with an oracle against them. Oaks of Bashan. Isaiah 2, Isaiah 2.12 to 17. Isaiah 2.12. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty and against everyone who is lifted up that he may be abased. And it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, against all the hills that are lifted up against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft. And the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. There, both places are mentioned in the same verse. Isaiah 2.13, Lebanon and Bashan, but reference is made to the rulers, the leadership who are proud and proud against the Lord. Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Amos 4, verse 1. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring now that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with meat hooks and the last of you with fish hooks. You will go out through breaches in the walls, each one straight before her, and you will be cast to Harmon, declares the Lord. The cows are not the ones oppressing the poor and needy. Cows don't do that. This is a reference likely to the rich female rulers. The the females, because he's saying cows, and in verse 3, each one straight before her. Both men and women in leadership often oppress the poor and the needy, and their judgment will certainly come. And then when the judgment comes, now we're at Zechariah 11.3. Zechariah 11.3. There is a sound of the shepherd's wail, for their glory is ruined. There is a sound of the young lion's roar, for the pride of the Jordan is ruined. There is a sound of the shepherd's wail. We may go back to verse 2. Now he's calling the leadership, the rulers of the nation, shepherds. In verse 2, he called them cypress and oaks, whale and whale. Now he says again that people are going to hear their whale. It's going to be very loud, a very loud and boisterous whale of the leaders of the nation, the shepherds. We find this as well in Jeremiah 25. Jeremiah 25:32 Jeremiah 25:32 to 38 We'll see this imagery here in 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil is going forth from nation to nation, and a great storm is being stirred up from the remotest parts of the earth. And those slain by the Lord on that day shall be from one end of the earth to the other. They shall not be lamented, gathered, or buried. They shall be like dung on the face of the ground. Wail, you shepherds, and cry, and wallow in ashes, you masters of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and your dispersions have come, and you shall fall like a choice vessel. Flight shall perish from the shepherds and escape from the masters of the flock. Hear the sound of the cry of the shepherds and the wailing of the masters of the flock, for the Lord is destroying their pasture, and the peaceful folds are made silent because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left his hiding place like the lion, for their land has become a horror because of the fierceness of the oppressing sword and because of his fierce anger. Also, we find in Zechariah 11.3, there is a sound of the young lion's roar, for the pride of the Jordan is ruined. If this roaring is of the young lions, meaning the enemy lions, the young lions are roaring and the shepherds are wailing. If it has to do with the enemies invading and the shepherds crying and wailing, weeping because their nation is being destroyed before their very eyes, then young lions are sometimes compared to enemies. They are in Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Jeremiah 2, 14. Is Israel a slave or is he a home-born servant? Why has he become a prey? The young lions have roared at him. They have roared loudly, and they have made his land a waste. His cities have been destroyed without inhabitant. The young lions are the Babylonians, the enemies of the people of Judah. Also in Jeremiah 50, Jeremiah 50, verse 17. 50, 17. Israel is a scattered flock. The lions have driven them away. The first one who devoured him was the king of Assyria, and this last one who has broken his bones is Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. These lions, Assyria and Babylon, destroyed Israel and Judah. And now Zechariah is predicting in the future that the Romans will. The Romans will destroy this temple because of the sins of the people in AD 70. And finally, in verse 3, Zechariah 11:3, For the pride of the Jordan is ruined. This term rendered pride is the same as the word thicket, a dense green lush area by the Jordan River where also lions could come forth, where lions were known to come forth in the past. 
The pride of the Jordan is the same as saying the thicket of the Jordan. In fact, in Jeremiah 49.19, Jeremiah 49.19, he says the following. And in the New American Standard Bible, which is inconsistent at this point, it does the following. It renders the same word, the same Hebrew word as thicket in Jeremiah 49.19 whereas it rendered it pride in Zechariah 11.3. But it should be one way or the other. The thickets or the forest, they are a proud object or a proud aspect of the terrain. In that sense, they are the pride of the people. But what are we talking about? We're talking about the actual trees, the forest, the thickets, That's what we're talking about. And 49.19, he says, Behold, one will come up like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan against the perennially watered pasture. For in an instant I shall make him run away from it, and whoever is chosen I shall appoint over it. For who is like me, and who will summon me into court? And who then is the shepherd who can stand against me? Their thickets or their pride by the Jordan will become a complete ruin because the enemies will invade and do whatever they want with their own land because of their sins. It's all because of the sins of the people. As it happened in the time of Jeremiah, Zechariah is saying it will happen in the days of Christ and his apostles. Same thing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.